Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Hey, good morning, South Fork Campus. I am so thrilled that you're here joining us for worship, whether it's in person or if you're watching along with us online. Uh, Hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Michael. I help run our student ministry here at Revo across our campuses. And I am really excited to see what God is gonna teach us as we look at his word this morning. Um, So as we get started, I wanna tell you a quick story. So picture this. The year is 2012. I'm 14 years old, and my youth group had gone on a youth conference to Kentucky. Now, we're a student ministry down in Florida, and we decided to pack it up into these white vans and just head up north for this conference. And we get here, and the theme of the conference is having eyes and care for those who are unseen. So those who the gospel message might not be regularly spread to. So we're talking about elderly and homeless people and whoever it might be, that was the theme of the week. And so something that our youth pastor, I hope he's watching, uh, something he signed us up for was a homeless experience. And so what this was is we gathered with a bunch of other student ministries, and the idea was to give us an idea of what homeless people experience on a day-to-day basis. It was to build empathy in our lives to see the great need that there is. And so uh, the, we went, kind of went off campus to a local park, and there was was this guy explaining the instructions. He said, hey, um, I want you to stay in the park. I want you to, uh, you know, really try to take this in, take it seriously. And he, he also had like some cardboard for us that we could use to try to like make into a bed or something like that. And so he's like, that's all I've got for you. Just get started. And so he like blew his whistle and immediately like four or five guys from another student ministry, I didn't know who they were. They like made a beeline for the cardboard. They took all of it and they made like a nuclear bomb shelter with this stuff. Like they, they just built this huge fortress and it fit like four or five of them. And then there was like a hundred of us just trying to figure out where we were going to go. And so people kind of made their way to the playground and they were finding benches and pavilions and all this stuff to hunker down. Well, me being 14, I was like, man, I'm just going to stay up all night. Like me and my friends, we're just going to hang out. We're just going to talk. We're going to just try to make this into something enjoyable. And so eventually like 9 p.m. rolls around and a couple of my friends go to sleep and 10 p.m. rolls around and, and some more drop. And eventually it's like one in the morning and it's just me. And I decide, you know what, like I, I might as well try to get some sleep tonight. And so I'm looking around. I try like a bench. It didn't work. I try the concrete. It didn't work. And I look across the park and there's a pavilion. So I make my way over to this area and my student pastor is asleep on a table and some of my other friends are just kind of getting some sleep around me and I I find a spot. I say, this is good as any. And so I lay down, but I ran into a big problem. And I know it's wintertime, it's cold out. We probably run into this problem even in our own homes. Who has ever been so cold that they just can't fall asleep? That maybe your ceiling fan is running or the AC's on or the heat's not on, whatever it might be. Well, I just could not figure out a way to get to sleep. Even though it was the summertime in Kentucky, I just wasn't prepared for it. And so I can't fall asleep and I'm looking around for a solution. And it's in that moment where I'm hungry and I'm tired and I'm cold that I see something that, that catches my eye. I notice my friend in the corner and he is passed out asleep. 
And he's got a jacket over him. And it's like not on him, but it's just kind of covering him like a blanket. And I think to myself, you know what? He'd probably never know if I grabbed that off of him. And I was like, I think he's a heavy enough sleeper. Like, like this shouldn't disrupt him. And so I kind of tiptoe over and I just, hey, very gently, very carefully, right? Lift this jacket and I kind of grab it and I, you know, walk back and, and cover myself with it. And it was glorious. I fell asleep, made it through the morning. And you're like, Michael, why are you telling me this really dumb story? Well, here's why. Even though it's a really trivial example, that was a time in my life where I was really tempted to do something I would not have ordinarily done, right? Like I was tired and hungry and weak and cold and honestly just desperate for some relief in my situation. If you haven't guessed it already, church, this morning we're going to talk about temptation on a grander scale than just a story like that. But as we move through this series called Foundations and we take a look at the book of Luke, we're going to spend our time today in Luke chapter 4. And what we're going to see is an instance where Jesus is in the wilderness. He's in a situation where he's experiencing temptation. And we're going to learn from him and see how he stood strong. And so this morning, I really want you to see that, that regardless of where we're at, temptation can and will come our way. And so when it comes to talking about temptation, I think oftentimes right out the gate, we have two questions. The first question is like, Michael, like technically what is temptation? What do we mean when we say that? Well, I've got a definition that'll be right up behind me on the screen. When I talk about temptation, this is what I mean. See, temptation is the desire inside of you to bend or break to the things that go against God's will. And I'll say that one more time. Temptation is the desire inside of you to bend or break to the things that go against God's will. So when I say temptation this morning, it's kind of within that context that I'll be referring to it. But the next question we have is like, all right, Michael, um, who can experience temptation? And like, when is it actually going to come our way? See, I used to always think that temptation could be totally avoided. Right? I always thought to myself, if I just trust God enough, if I just read enough of my Bible, spend enough time in church, hang around the right people, that temptation will just be scared of me. Like it won't even want to try me. It won't even want to make an attempt at getting me to fall. I was very wrong. Let's look at Luke chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 1, just to really see what this passage has to say about temptation and when it can come our way. So uh, verse 1 says this, Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days and 40 nights was tempted by the devil. So here instantly we see um, Jesus, who's the son of God, who has power that you and I don't possess, who is also full of the Holy Spirit, was tempted. That's not good news for us, right? Like even Jesus himself found himself in situations where he was up against temptation. Now, I think it probably took Jesus a lot longer 
um, to be at a point where he could have potentially fallen to this temptation. Like if you put me in the woods for five hours, I'm done. Uh, you can do your will with me. Like I'll give in to whatever it is just to get out of that situation, right? I just, I mean, I told that story to introduce the message. It had only been like eight hours and I'm ready to, to steal someone's jacket from them. But, but what this is really saying is that it does not matter who you are. It doesn't matter how full of the Holy Spirit you are. It doesn't even matter how well you fought off temptation in the past. We're all gonna find ourselves in situations where it's a possibility in our lives. And so I'm gonna tell this story this morning. We're gonna read through about 10 verses and see the way that Jesus was tempted and what he did to resist these temptations. But uh, I'm gonna play spoiler real quick. I wanna read the last verse in this section because I really believe that it gives us a glimpse into the when and the how we can experience temptation. And so Luke 4.13 says this about when we might face temptation. It says, when the devil had finished all of his temptation, he left him. It says, he left Jesus until an opportune time. And so when can we experience temptation? The Bible's clear that it's in opportune times in our lives. It doesn't matter who you are, like I said. It doesn't matter how much Holy Spirit you've got inside of you. It doesn't matter how well you've done in the past. Temptation is always there. The devil is always waiting outside the door for an opportune time to get you. And so if we can't avoid it, right, if it doesn't matter who we are, then we need to know what it's going to take to stay strong in the face of temptation, Right? We need to make sure that we're ready to handle it. And so that's exactly what Jesus is going to show us this morning as we read through three things that Satan put in front of him to try to get Jesus to bend or break to his allegiance to God. So let me pray for us real quick and then we'll get into the text. God, I just am so thankful for the chance we have to gather here to hear from your word this morning to really talk about a topic that, that might not get enough attention, that might not get enough focus. And so I just pray that you'd teach us something new through your word this morning. It's in your name we pray, amen. And so like I said, we're about to read three instances where Jesus was tempted by Satan and how he was able to rely on God to overcome them. See, we're gonna see that through a relationship with Jesus and through the Holy Spirit living inside of us, that we have the same ability to overcome the temptation that Jesus himself faced and that Satan's gonna try to throw at us. So before we get looking into the way that Jesus was tempted, I wanna read verses one and two one more time because they set a really good foundation to help us understand the gravity of the temptation he was experiencing. So let's read verses one and two once more. It says, Jesus who was full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days and 40 nights was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. See, Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights by himself in the wilderness. Not only that, the entire time he was out there, he was fasting. He wasn't eating a single thing. Now, I don't know about you, but by the end of 40 days and 40 nights of no food, I'm done. Like, I am super hungry. I'm miserable. I'm probably very grumpy, very angry. Like, that's not a good time for anybody. 
And the entire time, not only was he not eating, but the entire time he's in the wilderness, he's being tempted by Satan. And the three instances we're about to read are actually kind of key moments in those 40 days where we see Satan tempting Jesus. But, but I want you to know that like Jesus was tired, he was hungry, he probably didn't smell his best, and it was at that moment that he was the weakest, or so Satan thought, that he tried to hit him with some enticing temptations. Let's check out the first one. Luke chapter four, verse three. It says this, the devil said to Jesus, if you are the son of God, why don't you tell this stone to become bread? Man, the first thing I really want you to write down and take away this morning is that Satan attacked Jesus's needs. The first thing we see Satan do is go, go straight for the thing that he believes Jesus was craving the most. It's food. Man, man, Satan, Satan thought, Satan believes that he can get Jesus to break his commitment to God, to do something out of selfish ambition, to bend or break in his relationship with the Father. And, and here's what Satan's trying to tell Jesus. I could just hear his words and his voice. He's like, hey, uh, Hey, Jesus, man, like, like, you know you can do this. Uh, I, I know you're hungry. I, I totally understand. It's been a while since you've eaten any kind of food. Why don't you just go ahead and, and take care of that? Like, like, you know all you have to do is snap your fingers and this bread or this rock right here could be a sourdough loaf, a baguette, a bagel, whatever you crave, Jesus, it's yours. I know you have the power to do it. Here's how Jesus responds to that. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. See, what did Jesus do when Satan attacked his need? I'll tell you what he did. He turned back to what he knew about God. He reminded himself that even though our physical needs are extremely important and oftentimes extremely pressing, that we need to rely on more than just the things that are physically present in our lives. See, Matthew 4, 4, it's Matthew telling the same story, but he records Jesus saying a little bit more in response to Satan. It says this. It said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every good word that comes from the mouth of God. See, Satan attacked Jesus's needs for food, and this was an opportune time for him to strike. An opportune time for, for him to get Jesus to break his fast, to do something out of selfish ambition, to disobey God. And here's the thing. I don't know all of you in the room, but I'd be willing to bet that there are needs in your lives that are currently extremely pressing. Like things going on in your situation that, that are calling for your attention, that are wanting you to put greater focus on them rather than God. See, see, maybe for you in the room, you're going through a divorce and it's been hard and you feel like your greatest need is just for there to be someone to be there for you. Man, maybe you're in the room and, and there's been a death to someone who's close to you. And your greatest need right now is just to find some relief and comfort in the middle of that situation. 
Maybe for you, the bills are stacking up. You're getting eviction letters in the mail. You know that things aren't looking good and your greatest need is just some financial relief. Maybe your family's hungry. You've hardly got money for food and your greatest need is just to put something on the table. Man, maybe you have a dear friend or family member who's sick. Your greatest need is just to see them healed, to see them get some comfort and relief in that situation. Man, I don't know what it is for you, but we've all got things in our lives that are pressing and urgent and are crying for our attention. We've got to ask ourselves, why does Satan try to attack us in moments like that? Why is that when he's always waiting right around the corner to tempt us? It's because he knows we can see those needs. It's because he knows those needs are right in front of us, always calling for our attention. And it's easier to give those the time of day than maybe our biggest need, our spiritual need. A need that's already been met by Jesus through his sacrifice he made on the cross for us. See, it's in our time of need that we're desperate for solutions. And it's in that mindset where temptation can be such a danger. See, in these moments, here's how Satan wants you to fall. Here's where he wants his temptation to lead you. He just wants you to focus on your needs and not on God. He, he wants you to give them all the attention, them all the focus. Man, man, like the temptation's not even that we might do something out of desperation in that time of need. We might, I've done that before. I've acted out in a time of need because I was tempted to try to find a solution, but, but that's not even really what Satan's trying to get Jesus to do here. Satan is simply trying to get Jesus to focus on his physical needs above his spiritual ones. He's trying to get Jesus to give his devotion to these needs rather than to God. What's the danger of this? The danger of this is that when we remove our focus from God and, and put it on something else, we know what happens. We're prone to wander, to make mistakes, to fail, to hurt others, to hurt ourselves, to fall into sin. And so I don't want you to let your physical needs in your life break your allegiance to God. Right? Like, like, don't let Satan use hard times in your life to derail your faith through these opportune temptations. Remind yourself that we can't live on bread alone. Our physical needs aren't everything. Our lives are more than just the physical needs we might experience. Just as Jesus said, God is always going to meet our spiritual needs. And that's enough to carry us through seasons where, where our physical needs are imminent and pressing and damaging and calling for our attention. Satan attacked Jesus's need. That's the first temptation. But he doesn't stop there. Satan keeps going. Let's look at verse five. It says this. It says, the devil led him to a high place and in an instant showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said to Jesus, I'll give you all their authority and all their splendor for it's been given to me and I can give it to anyone that I want to. 
if you worship me, it's all yours. The second thing that I want you to see this morning is that Satan promised Jesus, notice the air quotes, something better. Right, Satan was, was looking at areas in Jesus's life where, where he thought that there might be some potential discontentment. He, he tried to identify some ways in which he thought that Jesus might be prone to be a little bit bitter, right? Satan thinks he's so clever for this, right? Like he's thinking to himself, man, you know what? Jesus is always down here doing God's dirty work. Like, like why is he here on earth while God just gets to sit up in heaven? Satan's thinking, man, God isn't down here hungry in the wilderness. Jesus is. God's not the one suffering for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus is. And so Satan thinks he's so clever and he, he tries to show Jesus something better based off of areas in Jesus's life where he thinks there could have been uh, some, some disconnect between him and God. Satan shows Jesus all the kingdoms. He says, Jesus, I can give it all to you. I can give you all the splendor, the fame, the wonder. I can put your face on a billboard on every single road around this kingdom. Everyone will know who you are if you just bow down to me. We know Satan doesn't have the power or the authority to do that on his own. Satan knew that too. See, he was, he was just trying to package a bold-faced lie that was designed to trip up Jesus, to cause him to stumble, and he put it in this really beautiful gift-wrapped box. Jesus, it's all yours. Just bow to me. I want you to notice something about Satan real quick. We saw it with the first temptation. We see it here again. We're gonna see it in the third one. Satan's really crafty. And I'm not here to compliment him this morning. I'm not here to give him kudos, but he's extremely creative. He tries to understand our desires and he's gonna do anything he can to put us in situations that will tempt us to bend or break in our relationship with God. Let's look at how Jesus responds again. Verse eight, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Man, Jesus sniffed out Satan's lie from a mile away. He wasn't even close. Satan wasn't even in the ballpark. How did Jesus do this? Man, it's because he had a deep relationship with God. Because of this deep relationship with God, he knew God's ways. He understood God's characteristics. He knew God's promises. He knew God's laws. And as a result, he knew that what Satan was saying was a complete lie. Not only did Satan not have the authority to hand over to Jesus what already belonged to God, but Jesus loved serving God because he knew that, that God was a loving and perfect father. Well, let me tell you something. When we forget exactly who God is, we can find ourselves of, in danger of failing in the face of temptation and sin, right? Because temptation looks good. It looks appealing, it looks fun, it looks attractive, right? Like, let me tell you something, nobody ever falls into temptation because they saw the reality of what it would cause. You know why we fall into temptation? We fall into temptation because we're enticed by the promise that it makes us. When we're tempted to go against God's will, we often hear these words. 
this will be so satisfying. No one's ever gonna know. Think about how it could advance your career. Man, imagine what your finances would look like. You deserve so much better. Take a breather, you've earned it. Man, these words are exactly what Satan wants you to hear when he's putting you in the face of temptation. He's always gonna find ways to try and offer us something better. And so it's up to us to stand firm in our faith and to not give in to these beautifully wrapped lies. If we're ever gonna stand firm against the temptation that Satan's gonna make us, we need to know God, right? Because the more we know God, the deeper our love for him grows. And the deeper our love is, the more willing we are to obey him. And the more willing we are to obey him, the, the, the better we will fare in the face of attacks by the enemy. Satan is always trying to get you. Satan offered Jesus something better. And he's constantly making the same offer to us. And as we know, Satan is never done putting temptations in front of us. Man, the first thing he did was attack Jesus' need. The second thing he did was offer Jesus something better. But there's one more temptation that I want us to take a look at together this morning. Let's read verse 9 through 11. It says this. It said, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. Jump, for it is written. That's interesting. We'll come back to that. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The third thing I really want you to write down today is that Satan attacked Jesus's faith. Satan put Jesus in a situation that he thought was a lose-lose. And I can just see Satan in the room drawing this one up on the whiteboard and he is proud of himself, right? In this situation, Satan was trying to test Jesus's faith in God and he thought he gave Jesus two options and he believed that both of these choices would lead to Jesus stumbling in his faith and allegiance to God. See, option A is that Satan wanted Jesus to jump so that he would fall into Satan's trap. Easy as that. He just wanted to see Jesus do what he told him to do. It would show that Jesus broke his commitment to God, that he was doing something in spite of Satan, that he was maybe even testing God. That's option A. Satan's like, maybe he does it. I don't know. Maybe I convinced him good enough. But option B, this is where Satan thought he was real clever. See, Satan thought that if Jesus didn't jump and he just stayed put, it would be because he was um, unbelieving uh, of, of God's power to protect him. He thought maybe it would show some, some mistrust in that relationship and, and reveal something better. Satan's just dead wrong. Satan even tried to lure Jesus into doing this by using scripture to his advantage, right? But, but, but Jesus being who he is, being full of the Holy Spirit, he saw right through the situation. 
Satan was basically egging Jesus on to put God to the test. And Jesus' faith was what was in question by Satan, but we see that Jesus' faith is what actually got him through this third and final temptation. Let's see how Jesus responds in verse 12. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And now here's the thing. I didn't say this yet. I saved it till now. But in all three of these responses, Jesus says, it's written, it's written, it's said. These aren't just Jesus's words. These aren't just the words of of his disciples that he's quoting. But, But this is actually Old Testament law. This was God's word to his people. And so, so Jesus is quoting his father in the face of temptation. See, Jesus' faith wasn't based upon seeing what God would or wouldn't do. Jesus' faith was based upon a deep trust for the promises that God made to him. See, a weak faith puts God to the test, but a strong faith takes God for his word. One of the most effective ways that Satan can get us to fall into temptation is in our faith. He's gonna poke and prod at our lives and our foundation to try and find cracks. Because he knows that if he can break our faith, that he can break our love and our devotion and our allegiance to God and that is exactly what he wants. That's the exact reason that he throws temptation our way. See, he wants us to fail and stumble and to forget about God's great love and faithfulness to us. Satan attacked Jesus's faith. Let me tell you something. He's constantly doing the same thing to me and to you. And so church, as we close today, as we get ready to wrap things up, I really want you to remember one thing. In fact, if what I just said like didn't make any sense or it was just straight up boring, hear this statement. Hear this one statement. Temptation is inevitable. So stay ready. Temptation is unavoidable. We can't get away from it. We can't escape it. And so we as the church, we as Christ followers have to stay ready. I read this passage in Luke and I can't help but really admire Jesus's faith and devotion to God. Despite being tired and weak and not smelling his best and being starving, he didn't give in to the temptation that was put before him. How can we do the same thing? I wanna know that. Like how can we stay as strong as Jesus did in the face of temptation? Is that even possible? I think it is. See, before we close today, I wanna give you three really quick application points, three really quick steps that you can take right now to have victory and success in the face of temptation. First thing is this, know God's word. Man, each time Jesus resisted the temptation that Satan attacked him with, Jesus would remind himself of what the scriptures promised him. And he was able to do this because he spent his entire life studying them. Knowing what the Bible says, 
will very clearly help us to determine what we should and shouldn't do in the face of temptation. But this is exactly why Jesus was able to say no. This is exactly why Jesus was able to sniff out the enemy's lies. So church, I don't care what you have to do to know God's word. Read the Bible, study the Bible, talk about the Bible, listen to it, memorize the Bible, do whatever you have to do to make sure that you know that God's word can help you resist attacks from the enemy. Man, knowing God's word will help you stay strong in the face of temptation. That's the first thing, know God's word. Number two, be filled with God's spirit. Man, I got newsflash for you and for myself. Um, We are not good enough to resist temptation on our own. I'm sorry, we're not. 10 out of 10 times, we're gonna fail. But I've got good news the Bible's extremely clear that, that all of us who have a, a saving relationship with Jesus, who've put our faith in him to save us from our sins, we've been filled with the full power of the Holy Spirit. And so what that means is that we don't have to face temptation alone. The Holy Spirit can guide us, can convict us, can reveal truth to us, can show us what not to do in the face of temptation. You can't rely on yourselves. It's never gonna be enough. I'm never gonna be enough to resist temptation on my own. You have to rely on the power of God's spirit that's living inside of you. That's what Jesus did and that's what we can do. So that's number two, be filled with the spirit. The third thing you can do is this, it's ongoing, stay ready. We have to be ready for temptation to hit us at any time. Jesus was in a prime position where his guard could have been let down. Circumstances happening in our lives are not good enough reasons for us to let our guard down because it's in those opportune moments that Satan's ready and he's gonna strike. Remember what Luke 4.13 said, It said, after Satan tempted Jesus, he left and waited for an opportune time. We've got to stay ready. Church, Satan is always around the corner. Temptation is always a possibility. Honestly, Satan's got no life. He doesn't take vacations or long weekends or go away. He is fully committed to throwing temptation at us that will disrupt our relationship with God. He tried it with Jesus. He's tried it with me. He's tried it with you. He's never going to stop. And we can't let him win. So church, remember, temptation is inevitable. It's always gonna come our way. Doesn't matter who we are or where we're at. So we've got to stay ready. Let me pray. God, we are so thankful for this truth. God, I don't know what I would do if I had to try and fight the enemy alone. Actually, God, I do know what I would do. You know what I would do? I would fail every time. And God, I think that there are people in the room who are experiencing that. 
God, they are sick and tired of giving in to the temptation that seems like it's always in their path. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would use this truth in your word to show and reveal to us that we can stand strong in the face of temptation if we just simply rely on you. God, help us to live that out. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.